I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and today we've got an exciting episode, a dramatic episode. We're going to be looking back at the most dramatic relegation battles in La Liga history. We organised a poll over the past week for our listeners and Twitter followers to vote for their top five relegation battles from a selection of a dozen. And over the course of this podcast, we're going to be counting down from the number five spot to number one. The way the vote worked was that each voter was given three votes to pick their favourite three relegation battles of all time, and 32% of voters used one of their votes to pick 2004-2005, the one where the Levante president jinxed it. This was the year when Real Mallorca pulled off a great escape and when Levante's complacency was their undoing. To take us back to 2004-2005 and to tell this story, here's Alex Fitzpatrick. 2004-2005 season is a memorable one for Mallorca fans, initially for all the wrong reasons. Mallorca were particularly bad that season and they spent 30 of the 38 match days in the relegation zone. However, they rose up out of it just at the right time. With seven games to go, Levante was 16th position and a huge 11 points clear, plus a better head-to-head record over Mallorca, meaning that the team from Valencia would only need to equal Mallorca's points total in order to finish above them. In effect, 12 points clear with seven games to go. The bottom three looked doomed to relegation. Even the Mallorca manager at the time, Hector Couper, seemed to think so. Coming out at a post-match press conference after yet another defeat, saying... Now we only have to go down with dignity. But from that point onwards, it seemed that his comments took a weight off the player's shoulders and that, coupled with the tactical changes and tweaks to the starting eleven, meant that Mallorca began to win. Coupé's comments came on the back of four straight defeats and with just seven games to go, Mallorca was staring down the barrel. Little did he know that those four defeats would be their last of the season as the side went unbeaten in their final seven games to reach salvation. Mallorca's results significantly improved, helped by goals from Victor. 
Hector Cooper hadn't started the Mallorquin youth player in any game before that seven-match run-in. He started every one of the unbeaten seven games, netting three goals and made all the difference for the Islanders. Despite their improved form, from a position of such weakness, Mallorca also needed to rely on Levante, faltering, in order to survive. Right on cue, upstepped the Valencian side, who were the architects of their own downfall, picking up only two points in those final seven games, in part of a run that saw no win in the final ten matches of the league season. Levante sank like a stone. With four games to go, Mallorca trailed Levante by four points, plus the head-to-head record, so effectively five. Levante president Pedro Villarroel spoke to the press and stated that Mallorca are already a team of the Segunda. This was despite his club being on a run of one point in the 18 available prior to his comments. Comments which naturally did not go down well with the Mallorca camp. Those words clearly spurred on the Islanders, who continued on their strong run as the season closed in, drawing one and winning two of their following three matches, which saw Mallorca leapfrog Las Granotas in the penultimate game of the season and move out of the relegation zone before the final day fixtures. Mallorca's victory over Athletic Club in that penultimate game was coupled with another failure to win from Levante, who faced off against Valencia but received no favours from their city neighbours, only managing to force a nil-nil draw in their local derby. On the final day, Levante were away to Villarreal, another local derby. The Yellow Submarine were having a red-hot season and were part of a four-horse race for the two remaining Champions League spots behind the Giants, Barcelona and Real Madrid, who were top and second respectively. Levante's dream was alive when they went ahead at the Estadio de la Ceramica through a first-half goal. However, Villarreal were like a dog with a bone and there was to be no sympathy for Levante from the home side, who snatched the lead away and then took the lead themselves in four minutes prior to half-time. Levante's survival chances disappeared when Diego Forlan got his second and Luciano Figueroa added Villarreal's Fourth goal of the game in stoppage time. Meanwhile, over at Sommosh, Mallorca drew on the final day with Real Betis. A strong result against the Andalusian side, who finished in fourth position, themselves also chasing a Champions League spot on the final day. An 87th minute Mallorca equaliser in the game was, in the end, irrelevant, after Levante had failed against Villarreal. The 23,000 sellout crowd at Sommosh celebrated their survival more than if they had won the Champions League, with fans gathering to celebrate reaching safety after the game in the Plaza de la Tortugas in Palma, a location normally reserved for celebrating promotions and trophies. After the game, Hector Cooper described their survival as a footballing miracle and a resurrection, praising the unity of his squad. Levante president Pedro Villarroel was unavailable for comment. Mallorca had done it. Mallorca had survived.
So that was the story of how Levante ended up being relegated in 2004-2005 instead of Real Mallorca. Our next entry also features a Levante relegation, although the main story this time wasn't their plight. This time, Levante were relegated way before the end of the season. This time the story is a battle between Sporting Gijón and Rayo Vallecano to avoid the final relegation spot. This is the fourth most dramatic La Liga relegation story. It's the 2015-2016 story, the one with Marcelino's return to Gijón. 34% of voters included this as one of their free picks, and Madrid-based journalist Panos Kostopoulos tells that story now. In 2015-16, Paco Gemes' first spell as Rayo Vallecano coach came to an end with the relegation to the second division. Rayo had been in Spain's top division since 2011, but were relegated back down to the Segunda on the final day of the 2015-2016 season, and it was a relegation that came with controversy. Going into the final weeks of that season, it seemed quite clear that Levante would be getting relegated and that two of Rayo, Sporting Gijón or Getafe would also go down. A one-one draw between Sporting Gijón and Getafe in the penultimate week of the season meant that the situation going into the final day of the season was the following. Getafe and Sporting Gijón were both on 36 points and Rayo were on 35 points. But there was one big positive for Rayo. Their final match of the season was at home to already relegated Levante. They expected three points and they did indeed get three points in that game at Vallecas, uh, going ahead early and ending up with a 3-1 victory. All Rayo needed to stay up was for both Sporting Gijón and Getafe to draw or lose. Getafe's 2-1 loss to Real Betis took care of them. The Madrid-based side were going down, but... Sporting Gijón won, incredibly, 2-0 against 4th-placed Villarreal. Johnny scored the first with a very good volley before Sergio Álvarez scored the second with 10 minutes to go with a long-range strike. So Rayo were down, Sporting Gijón were staying up, but then there was controversy. The Villarreal side that lost in Gijón were caused by Marcelino Garcia Toral, a former Sporting Gijón academy graduate, a former first-team player and a former first-team coach. There was suspicion that Villarreal had gone easy on Sporting Gijón, especially because it was a weekend starting 11, because they had been given several days of holiday in the week before the match, and because Marcelino had even said publicly that he'd prefer for Sporting Gijón to stay up. Then, after the match, the suspicion grew when Marcelino's wife, called Mar, wrote the following on Facebook after the game. I leave Asturias with the job done. We leave you in the first division. In Rayo, they weren't happy. In the Villarreal boardroom, they weren't happy either. And Marcelino left the club just a few months later, with Villarreal president Fernando Roy even hinting that this situation was part of the reason. At Rayo, they never forgave Marcelino. Their president, Raúl Martín Presa, stressed that Villarreal had nothing to do with the controversy, but described the game's outcome as deliberate. On their part, Rayo Ultras, Bucaneros, shared a post on Twitter mocking Marcelino, Presa and La Liga president Javier Tebas. Rayo fans didn't forget what happened back in 2016 and resulted to their team's relegation after five seasons in the top flight. Destiny had it that Rayo and Marcelino would meet again less than two years later as the Vallecas-based side returned to the top tier after two seasons in Segunda. After departing Villarreal, Marcelino joined Valencia, who were set to visit Vallecas on April 
2019 in one of the last match days of the season. As happened two years before, Rayo were fighting to avoid the relegation and the last person they wanted to see those days was their old foe, Marcelino. Since the first moment he stepped on the pitch until the last when he departed, defeated, to the dressing room, Marcelino had to put up with offensive insults towards him and his wife. A bunch of fans behind the bench wished him to die along with his wife, noting that it was a pity that he didn't lose his life in a serious accident he had back in 2015. Rayo lamented the incident, but Marcelino did not forget Presa's comments from 2016, declaring that those who have made the insults are just as responsible as those who provoke them with their statements. Three Rayo fans were identified through a video published by Movistar Plus and were banned by the club after apologizing to Marcelino. One of the three Rayo supporters spoke later to the Spanish TV show Chiringuito, claiming that the grave insults did not come just from him, but from all the 12,000 individuals who attended the game. These days, many things have changed. Marcelino is unemployed, Rayo are back in Segunda, and football has been suspended due to the coronavirus outbreak. Yet, the only thing that remains the same is Rayo fans' hatred towards Marcelino. So that was a story full of drama, mostly off-the-field drama though, and sadly going a bit too far on occasion with those insults. Now, we move on to a story that was full of on-the-pitch drama, and that took place in the 1982-1983 season. 36% of voters wanted to hear the story of Valencia's great escape, and who better to tell it than Paco Pollock? People tend to believe the most dramatic moments in Valencia's 101 years of history took place during the 1996 relegation to Segunda. And yes, that arguably was the lowest point of the club in over a century. But the way it took place was far from unfair. Valencia were just awful and deserved crashing into Segunda throughout the whole season. However, their demise was foreseen three seasons earlier, in the final games of the 1982-1983 season. Valencia opened their final match day in the last place of the table, depending on one of the biggest flukes in the history of La Liga to remain. Let's remember that only two points were awarded when a team won a game back at the time. Valencia, with 23 points in the standings, were bottom of the league, alongside Racing de Santander, also with 23, Osasuna and Celta had 24 points, and Las Palmas had it a bit easier, with 25. All of them were in danger. Valencia played against Real Madrid at Mestalla in the last match day of the season. At the same time, four other games would kick off where the Bats had a stake in their outcomes. It was the unlikeliest possibility in the history of unlikely possibilities. Valencia had to win, Las Palmas had to lose at home against Athletic de Bilbao, Racing had to lose in El Calderón against Atlético de Madrid, Valladolid had to beat Celta de Vigo, and to cap everything off, the game between Osasuna and Barça couldn't finish with a draw. One of the teams had to pick up the two points. May 1st, 1993. Five games, five outcomes, impossible odds. Adding insult to injury, Valencia faced such a crucial game with the recent death of the first team's physical trainer after suffering a stroke, and Mario Alberto Kempes, arguably the team's biggest star 
Although he hadn't had that much luck in his second stint as a Valencianista, he also missed the game due to an injury. The evening didn't exactly begin with good news for Valencia. Both Las Palmas and Racing scored early in their games, even though both Athletic Club and Atletico de Madrid would eventually turn things around. While Valencia fans suffered listening to their portable radios in the stands, the team pushed hard in the first half an hour and surprised Real Madrid. Finally, in the 38th minute, and with the stadium absolutely packed with fans, this happened. Se saca un corner y el gol. Bot to bot y tendillo sentencian así al Real Madrid. We actually have the chance to listen to the scorer. Miguel Tendillo described that play many years later. Fue un saque de esquina que saca Pablo, peina hacia atrás Botubot y yo entro de, de cabeza. So Pablo took the corner kick, Botubot slightly touched with the head, and Tendillo, with a powerful jump from behind, headed home and scored the 1-0. This celebration was wild. Cuando la marcas, eh, a ver, para un jugador es como ver el sol, ¿no? Y más con todo lo que llevábamos de atrás, todo el año sufriendo, padeciendo, y sabíamos que ese gol nos podía valer para, para quedarnos en primera, ¿no? It was like the sun shining upon a player, after having suffered the whole season, he said years later. However, Valencia still had to suffer for 50 more minutes with a ridiculously small advantage and praying that the other scores didn't change against their interests. The second half was one of the biggest showcases of agony inside the stadium, with people praying and clinging to their portable radios, the player with shaky legs, and Real Madrid also trying to get the leveler, as they were playing their own crucial game to win the championship, which would be ultimately snatched by Athletic Club in the last minute. Racing couldn't keep the advantage and lost 3-1 against Atletico, Valladolid also turned around their game and beat Celta with the same scoreboard 3-1, and Athletic Club, as I said earlier, won the league with a rousing performance by defeating Las Palmas with a 1-5 score. So, Valencia were saved, right? Well, the home Estalla Stadium gasped a collective sigh of dismay and relief when they listened to the radio broadcast. Legendary striker Kini, who played for Barca, in the 90th minute, sent a rocket straight to the crossbar while Osasuna were beating his team 1-0. If Kini had scored that goal, both Valencia and Osasuna would have gotten relegated. But the woodwork did its magic, and Osasuna won the game. At the end of that frantic evening, Valencia and Osasuna were saved from relegation. Racing, Celta and Las Palmas were down to Segunda. Las Palmas had to witness how Athletic Club celebrated the conquering of La Liga in their ground and also suffered one of their biggest blows ever after going down to the goal average between them and Valencia, one of the few rare cases where the bats had actually advantage. Fans still remember that evening, almost 40 years later. Here in Valencia, nobody, nobody will ever forget El Gol de Tendillo. So we've heard the stories of three dramatic relegation battles so far. After the break, we'll have the top two most dramatic La Liga relegation battles ever, according to the voters in our poll. So stay tuned, that's coming up after this short pause. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown where we're looking at the most dramatic relegation battles ever. We've already heard about the 2004, 2005, 2015, 2016 and 1982, 1983 relegation battles. Between Celta Vigo and Deportivo La Coruña. Here's Matt Clark to tell this story. This season was a classic for those who love relegation scraps with the added spice of local rivalry. Both Celta Vigo and Deportivo La Coruña were fighting for their footballing lives at the wrong end of the table. Neither coach who started the season would last too long, and there were also problems off the field, especially for Depor. Fernando Vazquez was installed as their third head coach of the season. An interesting appointment given his three-year stint at Celta. Coincidentally, Vazquez is also the current Depor coach, having been appointed in December 2019. Depor had gone into administration during that season and were bottom of the table for 10 consecutive match days, but a mini-revival saw them climb out. A 3-1 win at home in the Galician derby kick-started a run of four consecutive wins and saw them rise to 16th by match day 31. Celta also made a change, as ex-Atleti head coach Abel Resino replaced Paco Herrera. Celta were rock bottom on match day 36, but it was still very tight down there. In their penultimate game of the season, they were away at Real Valladolid, but disaster struck as goalkeeper Javi Varas suffered a shoulder injury and had to be replaced in first half stoppage time. His replacement was a debutant, 17-year-old Ruben Blanco. He impressed on debut and kept a clean sheet as Celta won 2-0 to take it down to the wire. Ahead of match day 38, here is the scenario. The bottom four were all still fighting. No one had been mathematically relegated yet. Depor were just above the drop zone on 35 points. Celta were a point and a place back and ahead of Zaragoza on head-to-head. Mallorca propped up the table on 33 points. All very tight. 
the final round of fixtures took place on the 1st of June 2013. Fans were hoping to end up in dreamland, but others were destined for a nightmare. Both Galician sides had home games. Depor hosted Champions League chasing Real Sociedad, while Felta hosted mid-table Espanyol. Depor's calculations were simple. They knew that a win would guarantee their survival. Meanwhile, Felta needed to win and hoped Depor slipped up. It was clear that while Depor were higher in the league and had a better mathematical chance of safety, they were playing the one team with something to play for. Felta were up against an Espanyol side who were probably thinking more about their summer holidays. Delta scored first, and just like in the current team, Iago Aspas was central to everything. He jinked past Diego Coloto and set up Nacho Insa, who opened his body and placed the ball perfectly beyond the reach of Kiko Casilla in the Espanyol goal, sending Balaidos into raptures. Insa spent two years at Celta, and he only scored three goals, so he was clearly saving them for the big games and picking his moment. Up the coast at Riathor, Deportivo fans were experiencing opposite emotions, as Antoine Griezmann put Real Sociedad ahead. Goals were flying in at Son Mosh, as Mallorca won 4-2 to do everything they possibly could, but with Felta winning, this was not enough for them. As the minutes ticked by, not much changed in the overall picture, but the situation was precarious. A single goal pretty much anywhere would mean a change in the standings and a change in the outcome of relegation. Depor hit the bar and Lareal were reduced to 10 men when Markel Bergara saw red, but Depor still needed to find two goals. Felta were clinging on, but knew an Espanyol equaliser would relegate them and save Mallorca. The whole season, months of hard work and toil, came down to the most nerve-shredding few minutes. Fans couldn't bear to look, yet they couldn't look away either. The tension was at fever pitch. And then, the whistle. The sweetest sound of the season for Celta fans, but the complete opposite for their closest rivals. The hammer had fallen, their sentence was confirmed a second relegation in three seasons for Depor. Stunned silence turned to anger at the board at Riathor. Back at Balaidos, the party had begun. Wild celebrations ensued as the fans released all the emotion that had been building up as the finish line got closer. The emotion spilled over, almost literally, as fans poured onto the turf to embrace each other and their heroic players. In the town centre, fans leapt into the fountain at Plaza America to continue their ecstatic celebrations. The following day, sports newspapers like Mundo Deportivo had the photo of Ruben Blanco being held aloft by his teammates, along with the caption, 17-year-old hero. He had kept another clean sheet on his first start for the club. Talk about pressure. The contrast couldn't be starker, as Mundo Deportivo went with the two faces of football, as the caption to a photo showing Real Sociedad's players celebrating their qualification for the Champions League. In the foreground, Lareal forward Imanol Aguirreche is seen consoling his crestfallen opponent Juan Dominguez. It's also worth saying that this was a sad end for Juan Carlos Valeron. The midfielder had spent 13 years at Depor and only three players have played for the club more than him in all competitions, but his time there ended in relegation. The pressure of a relegation battle is no easy thing to handle, even less so when it comes down to a battle with your local rivals. 
and Celta handled that pressure better than Depor. Depor bounced straight back to La Liga the following season, but the turbulent times which continued to the present were apparent back then. As for Celta, they have been in La Liga ever since, reaching the Europa League semi-finals in 2017. But their league form has dipped since then, and now they find themselves facing the threat of relegation once again. But that 2012-13 season lives long in the memory of Celta fans, who saw their team battle their rivals to the very end of the season and ultimately triumph at Depor's expense. They have even immortalised the match in song. Coruña, decime que se siente, or Coruña, tell me what it feels like in English, is still frequently chanted by fans around Balaidos before games. It serves as a constant and eternal reminder to Depor fans that they were relegated and Celta were saved, something they would obviously rather forget. From a tribal fan point of view, it doesn't get much sweeter than that. Well, we've heard about the Levante president who jinxed his team, we've heard about the Marcelino controversy, we've heard about Valencia's close shave, and we've now heard about a Galician derby that took place in relegation battle form. Now, we're on to what you have described as the most dramatic relegation battle in La Liga history. 43% of voters selected this one with one of their three votes out of a choice of 12. It's the 2008-2009 season when five teams went into the final day at risk of relegation. This is the one that is best remembered for one Fran's special moment. A moment that was extra loud. Here's Roman de Arquer to tell us more. In the 2008-2009 season, Match Day 38 was an emotional roller coaster for many football fans. In particular, those who supported Osasuna, Betis, Sporting de Gijón, Getafe and Valladolid. All five teams were at risk of getting relegated entering the final day of the season. Numancia and Recreativo de Huelva had just missed out on their opportunity of salvation during the previous two weekends, so their hopes were depleted. On the last Sunday of May and of that La Liga season, Osasuna were in the red zone with 40 points. Sporting were 17th also with 40 points, Betis and Getafe both had 41, and Valladolid were the safest with 42 points, but were on a 10-game streak without managing a single win. In terms of the games they had to play, the biggest challenge was definitely for Osasuna. Not only because they were already in the relegation zone, but because they were facing one of Spain's biggest clubs, Real Madrid. But Osasuna were definitely not going to give up on their hopes, despite facing Los Blancos. Firstly, they knew that Madrid had recently lost the league title to Barcelona, so their rivals were not in the same desperate need for those three points, and they'd surely not be at their best emotionally. Furthermore, Osasuna had added four out of the last six points against extremely tough rivals. On match day 36, they drew against a Sevilla fighting to finish in third position ahead of Atletico de Madrid, and on match day 37, they surprised everyone by beating Pep Guardiola's Barca at the Camp Nou, even though the Cules had secured the title. Finally, the last and most important factor was that Osasuna would be playing at home with their fans cheering along the 90 minutes of the match at El Reino de Navarra, which was the stadium's name before changing back to El Sadar. Sporting's last match was against Recre, who despite being relegated would put up a fight, whereas Getafe would face Racing de Santander who just saved themselves the previous weekend and the other two teams at risk of being relegated, Betis and Valladolid, had to play each other. 
all these matches taking place at the same time. And it started pretty badly for Osasuna who conceded a goal after just 10 minutes. Iguain cut into the 18-yard box and smashed it into the goalkeeper's bottom right-hand corner to make it 1-0 for Madrid. So at that point, Osasuna needed a miraculous comeback or to draw if Sporting lost against a relegated Recreativo. And surprise, surprise, four minutes later, Placil somehow managed to score from away outside of Madrid's area. A great goal which Casillas somehow didn't manage to save despite throwing himself at the ball, but it just slipped under his hands. This allowed Osasuna to dream big once again. And it got even better for Los Rojillos when Recre scored through Ersan Martins in the 22nd minute of their game. This pushed Sporting down to the 18th spot and put Manolo Preciado's men in a very tight position. Meanwhile, at El Sardinero, Racing de Santander scored in the 33rd minute against Getafe, which meant that Los Azulones were now just one point away from relegation, tightening things even more at the bottom. Although, it wouldn't last for long, as five minutes later Getafe equalized through Esteban Granero to make it 1-0 and lift them back to 15th ahead of Sporting, Osasuna and Betis. And then came the first scare for Betis, when Valladolid went ahead right before halftime in the 44th minute. 1-0 down, Betis were still 16th but with 41 points, the same as Osasuna and just one more than Sporting. More excitement was still to come in the second half. Betis was the first team to strike with Oliveira scoring in the 49th minute to equalize against Valladolid. They were back at 42 points, the same as Getafe. At that stage, they'd need Osasuna and Sporting to fulfill an amazing comeback in order to threaten Betis with relegation, as Los Beticos had a favorable head-to-head -head results against those two teams. But in La Liga, anything can happen. In the 57th minute, David Barral managed to score for a Sporting which was proving to be the better side against Recre. This was a massive breath of fresh air for the Asturians as they were now avoiding the bottom three and pushing Osasuna back down. Although Los Rojillos kept fighting against Madrid because they knew a draw might not be enough. And two minutes after a Sporting's goal, Juanfran was fouled by La Sana Diarra. Placil, who scored Osasuna's first, was in charge of crossing in the ball. He sent it deep into the area, but it was cleared out to the edge of the box by a Madrid defender, right where Juanfran was standing. Without thinking, he volleyed it with his right foot and out of nowhere bashed it into the top right-hand corner. Unstoppable for Casillas. The ball's whipped in towards the six, cleared by Metzel, and there's a goal! What a tremendous strike! Osasuna! are in the lead and you will not get a better strike from outside the area than that one the crowd goes crazy what a goal the crowd went mad it's even been said that the loudest sound recorded in a spanish stadium was after juan fran's goal with 115 decibels of sound almost emulating the noise emitted by an airplane's motor Osasuna were now two points clear from relegation with that 2-1 and suddenly Sporting were two points clear too as in the 66th minute they got their second goal. Both teams had achieved miraculous comebacks and now Betis were in an extremely threatening position they never imagined they would be in. With 42 points, the same as Getafe, but their head-to-head -head meetings were favourable to Getafe who'd managed more away goals after two draws between both clubs. In the remaining 20 plus minutes of all the games, the results would not shift at all. Betis were incapable of scoring against Valladolid despite being the better side, while Osasuna and Sporting both held their leads and Getafe also sustained that 1-1 draw against Racing. This meant Betis were returning to Segunda División after 9 years. The previous 3 seasons they'd struggled to stay in Primera, but this time, despite achieving 42 points which usually would assure salvation, luck wasn't on their side. 
Osasuna's miraculous finish to the season with a corresponding pitch invasion at the end of the last game was too much to handle. So there we have it. That's the story of what the voters in the poll consider the most dramatic Spanish relegation battle of all time. And when you consider the quality of that Juan Fran goal, the story about the decibels record at El Sadar and the fact that five teams were battling it out that day with a name as high profile as Betis eventually going down, I can't disagree with 2008-2009 being labelled La Liga's most dramatic relegation battle ever. That brings us to the end of this podcast then, and I thank all of the contributors. That's Alex Fitzpatrick, Panos Kostopoulos, Paco Pollitt, Matt Clark, and Roman de Arcare. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you very much for tuning in. Until next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 